And welcome back to the program, everyone. Uh, haven't heard from us for a couple weeks, and uh, we'll be candid about it. There was um, there was a tough negotiation. Our contracts were up, and we were kind of collaborating together to see, you know, it, we just wanted to get as much as we could. Uh, we thought about other networks, and um, but, you know, we're back home. Uh, everything's settled. And, uh, you know, it's a nice time to come back with the Subway Series going on. Uh, how are you doing, Sam? Doing well. Uh, just like you said, Subway Series is a great, you know, we spoke, we, we spoke, um, uh, you know, during the, the contract negotiation times, of course, was no, uh, no hostility, but no, you know, we thought, we thought a good comeback would be, uh, obviously a big Subway Series where, you know, both teams limped into this and may actually limp out of this. Uh, and as well as, you know, a couple new hires, a couple new champions across some major yeah. sports. Um, yeah, so let's so go yeah. down everything that we might've missed over. And I mean, it's really only been a couple weeks. Um, we have an NBA champion in the Denver Nuggets. Uh, that'll be Jokic's first. First of many. And my, I believe, uh, I, and I think it's, you know, it, it's one thing to, it's one thing to win an NBA championship and then it's, and, you know, you know, get through the playoffs and, you know, grind through it. Let's be honest, the Nuggets didn't really grind for anything. This was kind of smooth sailing looking back on it now. They were the best team in the NBA and the best team in the NBA won. Uh, it might not have been the best coach. You know, I'd still argue that Spolster is probably, uh, probably had the coaching upper hand. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to go as far as your players will take you. Um, that's what the Nuggets did. The every, You know, from top to bottom, just a beautifully run organization over there. A great mix of young talent, foreign talent. Obviously, Jokic is Serbian. Uh, you know, just a great, just a, just a great story. Their first championship, um, you know, all, they've had their years. The Nuggets are always, you know, somewhat relevant. The you know, you think of the Allen Iverson days, the Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith days, and now you know, now we're in the Jokic days. And perhaps, uh, and I think obviously with their their one championship here, this is these this is the best day for Nuggets fans. So you know, just to put the NBA to rest, really happy to see them. Uh, really, again, I think. I speak for both of us when we say we wouldn't have been slighted with the Heat or the the Nuggets one. We really didn't have much skin in the game. But, yeah, congrats to the Nuggets. Yeah, um, and then in the NHL, we have a winner. Uh, Las Vegas wins their first championship. Uh, I don't know, do, do you remember their first year in the league as an expansion team, maybe five, six years ago, when they went to the final their first very season? I So, no, I no and yes. I remember more so like the expansion happening and, you know, all the, the drama of like, you know, what players, teams were keeping and such. But uh, I, I remember them starting and I remember their first season, but not, you know, not too particularly. Why was there some yeah. mention that went on there? No, I mean, they just went to a final their first season, which is, you know, which is something. And yeah, then, uh, cool. you know, they win their first championship uh, last night. So uh, in a again, more dominant fashion, start. dominant yeah. fashion. Yep, uh, the Rangers bring in uh, new head coach Peter Lavalette, um, a guy who's coaching the, the division a ton. He's won. Um, I, I don't know how you could be unhappy about it. I don't really know. Uh, who else did you want to see walk through that door? Mark Messier? You know, this is a guy who won. If you're going to be a, a win-now team, I think this guy was, uh, you know, really the only guy on the board that that made any sense for the Rangers. Um, he's kind of, uh, he stopped somewhere three, four years. He has as much success as he does. And then he's out, you know, he's coached for a lot of teams. I think it's like seven. Um, but I like that higher. I like this time of year on the podcast. And I say that like we've been doing this for years because when there's so much going on, it's, it's tough. But now like when there's just baseball and football coming up, it's just, you know, whether it's just messing around or fraud or applaud or, making bets on football games. I feel like this is when it becomes the most fun. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's not that – right now it's it's kind of the, the quote-unquote slow season of, of the sports world where, like you said, it's only baseball. And when you have – you know, we – a month or two ago we had – the, the Devils and the Rangers playing each other. You had the Knicks yeah. rise. You had the, the Nets in the in the early uh, rounds of the playoffs. You had the Yankees starting, getting hurt. Mets starting, getting hurt, uh, you know, trying to find their feet. There was a lot yeah. going on. So, and then uh, it's, the Jets bringing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just, just to add the cherry on top of all of that, you know, and then the Daniel Jones stuff, now the Barkley stuff. Oh, I think we should definitely hint on that. Um, we're kind of going on now, but the, you know, I honestly forgot about it, but Barkley – um, holding out of the uh, or what do they call the practices now? The OTAs is that what is that the is time it, they're in now? The OTAs right now, or is it minicamp? It, it might be. No it idea. might just be minicamp. I'm not sure, but whatever it is, he's holding out. Uh, it's like a voluntary thing that you know you don't have to go, but you'd like to see you like to see your guys go. Holding out um, in seek of uh, new agreement. Um, obviously, that's been a, a rocky road that we'll have you updated on and whatnot as we get more, but. Uh, that's kind of the biggest news on, you know, I, to what I see, the biggest news in the New York football world right now is the Barkley thing. Everything, everything as far as Rodgers and all that seems to be, you know, going smooth sailing, you know, knock on wood on the Jets side. Uh, yeah. Got Daniel Jones under contract on the Giants side. Everything seems to be in place, kind of getting the ball rolling over there. Uh, so, again, we'll follow the Barkley story. Yeah. But I think, again, you know, getting back to where we started here, the Yankees and the Mets. Every time they play each other, it could be, you know, you could be the the Billy McKinney game. It could be the Francisco Alvarez game. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter who the hero is. It's going to be going to cause a buzz. And last night for certain, and just speaking to some people I knew that were at the game, we had an electric atmosphere last night. And an electric game with, you know, anyone that says baseball is boring, I would contend with that game last night because that was – Every inning seemed to be something else going on, whether it was, uh, you know, Luis Severino struggling to find it all game and then randomly getting a one, two, three inning when the Yankees really needed it. And then or, you know, the the failure of the Mets bullpen or uh, the failure of Wandy Peralta for the Yankees late in the game when he tries to come in and kind of give a, have that shutdown inning. And then, you know, there was just so many storylines, the sticky hands of Drew Smith. Uh, I don't yeah. really even know where to start. Uh, no. Yankees win seven, six. I guess we could start in like the first inning. First inning, Giancarlo Stan hits a home run off of Max Scherzer, and I think Met fans kind of were like, "If you, I wasn't there, you weren't there, obviously, but if you were there, I'd, I'd imagine that once Stan hits that home run, it's like, oh boy, here we go again with this guy Scherzer, and kind of that's what happened." Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get all into Scherzer. This was not a, um, you know, like you said, it was an electric game. It was a lot of fun. It's it's really all you could ask for, you know, if these two teams are gonna are gonna meet up. Which we could talk about how it's contrived. It's not a real all that. It's just a fun couple nights where you know we all kind of watch these teams every year. You know, you and I are watching a different baseball game every night for a couple days a year. We watch the same game and and it was fun. But this was not a well played baseball game by by either team. Whether it's the pitching, whether it's starters or relievers, you know, whether it's Nimmo looking a ball into his glove and then it it falls on the ground. Um, I, I mean, Glaber Torres wasn't very sharp. Uh, who was it that threw the ball over the first baseman's head after booting it? Oh, Volpe. Volpe. It was Volpe. It was, it was like a circus game, and they, it really like it encapsulated like both of those teams so well right now. Just yeah. everything that happened, it was like that was such a Yankees Mets game. It was so on brand. 
But uh, I think, yeah, no, I mean, you start in the first inning. I'll let you finish that thought. Sorry. Sorry. No, I think the, literally the only thing I thought that was like of all the aspects of the game, you know, Mets pitching, Mets hitting, Mets defense, Yankees pitching, Yankees defense, uh, Yankees offense. I thought the Yankees offense was the only thing that kind of really showed up. You know, the I, I would say the same for the Mets, but they just left so many guys on base, you know, at oh, yeah. the bottom of the what was it, the eighth inning when they eighth had inning. bases loaded and, and what one out and they couldn't score a run. Yeah. Uh, with the meat of their order up. Uh, we'll we'll go. I guess we'll kind of go, you know, through the game here. But uh, I thought, you know, the of all the things that were negative in the game, like you said, Yankees defense again failing, uh, starting pitching on both sides failing, some bullpen blunders on both sides, some questionable coaching moves on both sides, uh, or managing moves. Uh, I thought the only thing that was, you know, somewhat impressive to me was the Yankees hitting. Uh, you know, I, I, that's that was the only thing in the entire game that I was I took away. I was like, wow, that kind of Kind of made me feel good, but um, I guess starting with the Yankees' offense here, uh, everyone, pretty much everyone, got a hit. Everyone um, did get a hit. Every everyone in the starting lineup got a hit from Jake Bowers all the way down to Volpe. Volpe had two hits. Hopefully, you know, you can hope that Volpe actually found something. Uh, had a big hit, double down the line uh, to kind of the, honestly it was a very a, a turning point in the game uh, at that point. And then Donaldson with the eventual game winning sack fly. Um, uh, pinch hit sack fly, which was big. Um, but you know, this is the, this is uh, again, the biggest thing going into this, no judge, no Alonzo. And you know, you're going to look, you're going to need guys on both sides to step up if you want to win games. And the Yankees just had one more guy step up than the Mets. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, if we, if we just want to start in the first inning, uh, not great. If you're a perennial, uh, no runs in the first inning, better and loser <laughs> like myself. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I have to, I just have to stop myself from going into every Scherzer start being like, okay, like this is the day that like he'll figure it out because he's bought up so much equity with me over the year. I don't know, you remember last year when I always used to say like, I, Scherzer's just not a guy that I worry about. Like I just, I just always think he's going to figure it out. And that yeah. was coming off of, we've kind of watched him slowly deteriorate. And I guess it started uh, in that, with that Dodger run when he couldn't go towards the end of the season, he runs out of gas again last year with the Mets. And now here he is, and he can't throw a slider without hanging it to save his life. I mean, how many of those were there? And these are guys that aren't hitting right now. The Yankees have they couldn't hit for their lives the last yeah. couple of weeks. I mean, he's and giving right up these hits. To, he's giving up these hits to again. Volpe has two hits. Billy McKinney has a hit. Jake Bowers has a hit. Like these I are guys that are. It. Anthony Rizzo was, I think, one for his last thirty before last night. He gets a hit. Yeah. I mean, so. You know, you, you face a without and without judge, the Yankees are, I think, like the 28th ranked offense in the league. You know, yeah. to give up Scherzer's Scherzer's final line, just to uh, reiterate, three and third, seven hits, six runs, six runs. So taking out the, the name the Yankees, right? Six runs against the 28th ranked offense in the league without the MVP. That's yes. bad. That, like, you know, yeah. I don't want to harp on the Met. I don't want to say that Severino pitched well at all. You know, I I definitely have my issues with Severino, but now that we're talking about Scherzer, it's definitely like you're right. He's not the not only is he not the same guy anymore, but he's not even the guy that you're you can't even instill the confidence in anymore. Like you gotta have to you kind of have to go into Scherzer starts really weary now, just like you yeah. do with almost the rest of your rotation. Yeah, I, like what I what I really want to do is because there's so many things I want to bring up about the Mets as we go through this game, but I feel like if we just if we just recap this game. All the issues I want to talk about will come up, and then we'll get into these teams and break them down because okay. there's too much going on in my head for me to just start, yeah. you know, ripping them off. But um, 
Yeah, so no confidence in Max Scherzer. Um, if I had to play the blame game here, he, he's my number one, and, and Nemo will be my number two. So the Yankees start off with the Stanton home run. The Mets answer right back, and then the Mets take a take a big lead. Um, Severino is, I, I don't know, what, what's what's your read on Severino? What's so, the issue? So I, I kind of, it was funny when you were just talking about Scherzer and how, you know, you have this instilled, like you're, you had this instilled confidence and, in, you know, he'll always find it. Um, you know, with Severino, I've always been, he's one of my favorite pitchers in the league. Still, still is. I, I just like, you know, when he's good, I love the way he pitches. I love his pitch mix. I think that he's, he's great when he's fully healthy. One. I think that he is not fully healthy and not that he's hurt though. Like I think that, you know, if you think about when, when a pitcher comes back, right. And you know, you say you, you condition him to get up to quote unquote game speed. That's why they pitch in these rehab performances. But what you're not conditioning them in is, is the recovery process. And I think that, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that his first two outings, right. When they, so think about this, they condition him up to game, game speed per se, game ability, Pitches great his first two games, right? And then after that, he starts to get like worse and worse progressively. I think he's got he's got a tired arm. You know, he he got hurt. He gets hurt so often that his it's his conditioning of his arm and his body is has to be so stunted that I think he's just got like not dead arm because he's still throwing ninety five. He's seen a couple ninety sevens last night, but you know I've I've seen Severino hit ninety nine. I've seen Severino hit a hundred. You know, he, I don't know if he has that in him, and it's not like a – it's not an ability thing, but I think it's one of those things where, like, you know, you kind of need to get Severino, you know, ramped up for the recovery process more so than just the, uh, you know, the, the actual in-game pitching. That's one. That's kind of a, a macro level. The micro level at the game speed, I you know, for this is what I see. I don't really have much statistical backing, but I – you know, I watch – I think I've missed – three Yankee games all year. Seriously, I watch every single game. I think that he is the it's not necessarily the fastball. Everyone will bring up, you know, his fastball speed, his fastball speed. But I think when you have a tired arm and you're that ultimately will affect the spin rate and the movement of your off speed. And if you watch those, you know, Severino starts, especially last night, in the early innings, people are spitting on his slider. They're spitting on his changeup. They're not even looking at it, right? They're they're hunting his fastball kind of daring him to throw the fastball and just taking these defensive foul swings on his on his off speed. And that's the concerning part to me. It, you know, again, everyone can talk about his fastball speed and he's a in at the root, Severino's a fastball pitcher. He's going to strike you out with his best stuff. Here's my best stuff, here's the movement, go hit it. That's always how he's been and I love it about him. But when you don't have that and you, then you need to search for something else, uh, you know, and they're spitting on your off speed, you know, I can make the argument that the Mets were the, the, he was throwing three positive hitter pitches last night with his fastball changeup and off speed. Besides that one inning where he randomly got one, two, three. I think he went. I think in the in the fifth inning when he was out or so, or the fourth inning, whenever his last inning was. Uh, I think Paul Paul O'Neill or someone read a stat that through four or five innings, whatever it was, he had one swing and a miss. No, they're not. They're not missing his pitches. They're seeing it out of his hand. I don't think he's tipping. I haven't saw anything that he's really like tipping per se, but I think that, you know, it just, he might, I don't want to say he has a dead arm, but I just don't think he's pitching with a hundred percent arm every time he gets out there. And I think that again, just to kind of close the book on how I feel about Severino, 
I think what would be beneficial to him is if, you know, let's say Rodon gets back. Let's say, uh, you know, they they bring up someone. I think that the Yankees potentially moving to like a six-man rotation and giving Severino an extra day to recover would be a very beneficial thing for him to do. And I, I think, you know, I don't think it's a crazy ask, you know, even a bullpen day, not necessarily asking them to bring up someone and have them start, you know, every fifth day and Severino every sixth, but have a bullpen day in front of Severino once. You know, you have so many days off in June. Yankees had off Monday. The Yankees have off Thursday. Uh, have off. What's today? Today's Tuesday. Wednesday. I Wednesday. Believe. Sorry. Jesus Today's Christ. Wednesday. They had, I think they have off on Thursday. You know, there's kind of, I thought there would be no reason for the Yankees to throw a bullpen day on Tuesday, then have Severino pitch on Wednesday, give Cole a whole extra day to to recover and have him pitch the first game on Friday against the Red Sox. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I, I thought and still think that maybe doing that would be the, the best approach to Severino. But uh, I still, he's, like you said, you're, I, I feel like he's going to figure it out. I, I do. And I feel like I have faith in the, the higher ups of the organization that they will find a, a recipe to bring Severino back to what we know him as. Yeah. So Severino so, goes uh, four and two thirds. Uh, Scherzer went less, I believe. No, actually, what did they have the same game? One more. One more thing on. Uh, one more thing on, three on Severino. Third. Yes. So Scherzer goes three and third, and Severino goes four and two thirds. And I'll say this. Regardless of how he's pitching, regardless of the results of the inning, you know, you even think of like, even you know, the the most famous Sevy start is when he gave up three home runs to the Twins in that in that playoff game in the first inning, where he just kind of imploded. Severino will always gut it out, and I, that's what I think I love about him. You know, he could have easily been checked out after two and a third yesterday, but he goes four and two thirds. Now you have the obviously the Yankees bullpen is great, one of the <laughs> better bullpens in baseball year in year out it seems like but that the difference between going three and a third with Max Scherzer to a shitty bullpen and four and two thirds with Severino to a great bullpen is the reason why the Yankees won the game let's be honest just the fact that they get that the the Yankees score had one extra inning to face a shit bullpen and the Mets had one less or the Yankees had to deploy less guys to have less chance of failure from their bullpen that's that's how they won the game yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So, um, so whatever the the Mets take the, take that lead. Um, I think it's five to one, right, going into the fourth, and that's when it just implodes for sure. So you get the Lemayu home run, the big double from Volpe. Uh, I think Jack Bowers had an RBI that inning. I don't know if that was even off of Scherzer, but then the Yankees Jake take Bowers. the lead there. No, what did I say? Jack Bowers. That's his brother. Not no uh, no double for him yesterday. Jack Bauer is a is a character in something, but I can't remember where I pulled that from. Jack Sparrow. Anyway, after no, <laughs> after the Yankees took that lead, or after the Mets blew that lead, I should say that to me, like I never thought the Mets were going to win that game anymore. It was just they they find ways to lose games. That's what they do. Well, can I back to back to the top of the? So this was the top of the fourth with the Lemayu home run and whatnot. Let me. So if you're you're in agreement that he's Scherzer, that we're talking is like has almost like a is losing it right like he's he's not a hundred percent like he's not like fully health wise there maybe not health but like energy no wise. I just think he's I just think he's done I think he's cooked like stuff wise you'd say like you'd say his stuff is just not there like his maybe his what would you say is like not there like everything the yeah whole but package? The, well, that's the thing yeah because it's not even just like 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 you were just talking about with Severino or like you know when a lot of times like a pitcher's injured they'll say oh well you know the velocity is still there but 
with Scherzer, it's there's nothing there anymore. He doesn't throw as hard as he used to. The stuff's obviously not there. I mean, he can't throw he can't throw a slider to save his life. Yeah, I think at this point, what other conclusion can you draw than just this guy's done? Yeah. Well, and uh, then you still you have him. Uh, he's going to opt in next year, unless you know by the grace of God he, he does the Michael Godire and says, "Oh, I don't deserve that money. Get me out of <laughs> here." So you're stuck with him next year too. Yeah, and I, I really would you agree with this statement? If Scherzer, if this is what he is, if he's completely done, like like I'm saying he is, the Mets season's over. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, you can't unless unless you know Uncle Steve's going to dip into his pocket a little bit more somehow and somehow correct this and where you can make Scherzer like your fifth starter or fourth starter or something like you know the t- true or, true or false. Steve Cohen goes into this year, you know, flaunting his wallet saying, you know, we're the we're the biggest spending team. Yep. You know, now it would be kind of kind of I don't even know the word, but it would be kind of silly for Steve Cohen to kind of say, you know, to not kind of double down on that, right? Like in that, like it does shouldn't matter what the money is now. You got to try and correct this now. Like this there's this is on you now, I think. Yeah, I guess so. like what I think the this is what I think of the Mets. It's like it's like you know when like an NBA player who like came from nothing, like finally gets rich and then he like doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And then he's broke years later. This is like the Mets just aren't used to having money. And there's there's ways, there's formulas to build baseball teams, right? To me, the Mets just it was Steve Cohen and Billy Epler said, Oh my God, we have all this. Let's just start throwing it around. Because that, but that's not the formula to to being great. Look at all the the big splashes. Francisco Indoor, listen, I don't want to kill the Mets for that, but he he hasn't been good. I mean if you want to look at his Cleveland to New York splits. He's not the same player. He's not a top 10 shortstop like, you, like you're paying him to be. Yeah. That was your first big splash. Then you bring in Scherzer and Verlander, and they're 100 years old. They're dinosaurs. That's not panning out either. It's just like they, ha- they have the highest payroll. You know, whoop-de-doo, you're not, a, you're not a great baseball team. You don't have any power. You don't have any pitching. Like, just, just opening up the checkbook isn't going to just change everything. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing with the Mets. They're not a well-built team. They're not a well-constructed roster. And I think I think that really comes to fruition and kind of the, the glaring thing that I hear all the time from Mets fans is, you know, have Beatty's been good. Alvarez has been good. Viento's good. Uh, you, you know, the kids that have come up have been good. But, like, you know, it's – it's one thing to be good when you're a kid, you know, you're Ellie De La Cruz coming up on the, the, the Reds and you're on a team with very low expectations. You know, you're yeah. you're coming up to a the Mets are relying on, you know, two to three kids every single day on the yep. highest paid team the highest payroll team in baseball. That's kind of ass backwards for lack of a better term. It is. You know, so that's not what that's not what this team was supposed to be. Yeah. Like going into the season with that payroll. I would have never thought that there was going to be three, you know, twelve-year-olds on yeah. the team that you really needed. Well, so cup one one question to kind of tie a ball on that thought. Now, a lot of like Yankee fans, and I think this is a true thing, and the numbers will lend to it. But you know, people say, "Oh, the Yankees' offense is always feeble without Judge." Do you think that there's a little bit of that with the Mets and Alonzo? Obviously, he affects did, it, well, but do you think it's like a, a as big of an effect as like the Yankees' offense seems to have every time Judge is out? Or too early to tell. Um, I, I don't think it's as big because I mean I really think like Judge is the Yankees. Yeah, well he is. Um, I think the Mets just are a team with no power, and when you lose the one guy that does hit for power, it's it's a loss. Yeah. But to lose Aaron Judge is is it's different. Yeah, and so getting back to again back to the game, that fourth inning right when they took Scherzer out. Let me just I'm not even going to tell you the result of this, but 
you'll see what I'm trying to get at. First first hitter of the inning, Rizzo, contact, single to left. Second hitter of the inning, home run, LeMayu, contact. Next hitter, Kiner Falefa, single, contact. Billy McKinney, grounded out to first, contact. Higgy, singles to left, contact. Volpe, doubles to left, contact. Bowers, singles to right, more contact. He's not, like, these guys are hitting him. And this isn't, this isn't Aaron Judge hitting him again. This is, you know, this is like the, the again, the feeble Yankees hitting him. And not, and not like, they're not, he's not getting, you know, it would be nice to see, you know, after the home run, bounce back with a strikeout. Or after the home, after, even after the, the single of IKF, bounce back and strike out Billy McKinney. The ground ball to first, IKF goes to second. That ultimately lends to a scoring position for the Yankees. You know, th- this is stuff that Scherzer, who coined himself as, you know, the Mad Max and all these strikeouts he has and all the records. And look, not taking anything away from him. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. But like you said, we, we have to live in the now. And if you're if he's uh, to me, if you see seven straight hitters, seven straight below average hitters getting contact against your guy in the fourth inning, that's that, there's bigger problems than than, you know, just the money he's paid or bigger problems than the Mets offense. That's a that's a ability problem to me. Yeah, on the it, part of Scherzer, yeah, on part of Scherzer, yeah, and then uh, and then look to Dominic Leone, whatever comes in, and the first person he gets is Stanton, perhaps the best hitter on the Yankees, strikeout swinging. So like he, I think it's it would be one thing if the Yankees were surging and you know the Yankees actually won the game. If the Yankees won seven one and they just had a day where you know they everyone was just hitting and the hit parade was there. I, you know I'm, what I'm trying to say is I think it's it's more impressive to me that or or it's more unimpressive to me what Scherzer did than it is impressive to me what the Yankees did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm not really I'm not really impressed by the Yankees hitting Scherzer because that's what Scherzer's been doing. He's yeah everyone hit Scherzer hit, exactly. You're supposed to, at this point you're supposed to hit Scherzer, and it's crazy that we're saying that. But and then kind of getting back to the. The the Mets offense, right? This this the one two three inning, bottom of the fourth. Luis Severino strike out Alvarez. McNeil fouls out. Lindor grounds out the first one two three. That's uh, to me, you know, at that point it's it's what was it six five at that point? Yeah. Um, they six five at that point. That was the game right there. You know, I, at that point, at right when Severino got out of the inning and it was now a bullpen game, couldn't have been more confident in the Yankees. Could not have been, not for a second. You know, just just uh, that's just the difference of the team, and I'm not I don't want, I'm not even playing Monday morning quarterback. I have the receipts. We have the receipts. We've been concerned about the Mets bullpen all year, and our concern with the Mets bullpen was was always, you know, how are you going to get the the last uh, the how are you going to maneuver through seven, eight, nine if if you're going to assume Scherzer and Verlander are going six every time? They're barely going four every time. So yeah. now you have to worry about five bridging the gap between the fourth inning or the fifth inning and the ninth inning, which is a lot different than the seventh inning and the ninth inning. You understand? Yeah. So I wish I had the numbers on me, but I heard it this morning. Like their record when a starter goes six versus when a starter does not go six. It's night and day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and on another thing, glad you just brought that up. I The Yankees minus the, the Royals minus the Athletics are the worst team in the MLB at hitting starting pitching this year. They don't hit starting pitching, which makes it even worse that, to see what Scherzer did last night. And, you know, I, I think, get, not getting ahead of ourselves, but I think the Mets will win tonight just by the way this, this like these teams seem to be right now, that, you know, one, one good, one bad every time almost. 
I, I think the Mets will win tonight, but I, I would I think that you know Verlander. This is a big spot for Verlander tonight. A huge spot. You know, they, obviously standings wise, you're way back. You're not even you're below 500 now. Uh, talking about the Mets, uh, but still, just for the morale of the team. You know, they they lose. This was the what fourth lead in the last six games that they lost. Uh, four, fourth multiple run lead in the last uh, whatever many games it was that they lost. And, you know, it's one thing to lose it to the Braves where it has a direct correlation on your division and your standing in the in the National League. But it's like it's like another thing where, like you said, to start this, you know, it's not the most important. It's not really a rivalry per se, but like it's just the it's just like the the notion behind, you know, losing two to the Yankees at home among after, you know, getting swept by the Braves and losing a series to the Pirates. It's just like, you know, this there's these little things throughout the year in baseball and why I think it's a great thing that baseball is such a long season that you can have one game totally change the tide. And I think that a Mets win tonight and a good Verlander performance would be a a he would do huge things for the Mets going forward. Yeah, it's a big ask, but I mean, like Ver, like Verlander said the other day, like I'm making all this money for a reason, and it's not to pitch the way I'm pitching. So you know, go go toe to toe with uh, Garrett Cole tonight. Yeah. It's a big ask, but we need something. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll recap the rest of his game, and then I just want to say my piece about the Mets here. Um, so they leave Severino in in the fifth. He gives up that leadoff hit to Beatty. He hangs in there a little too long. The Mets tie it up. Whatever. Didn't like that uh, move, then, by the way. I didn't like when Boone came out the. So Boone came out once in the fourth inning, I believe. Then in the fifth inning, no, it wasn't Boone. In the fifth inning when Boone came out and and Seve begged him to stay in, I was not a fan of that. It kind of was like very, you know, uh, it was like whatever at the point. Like I was like, all right, you know, if you trust him and you think he's got it, fine. And I definitely thought Severino at that point was, you know, throwing his arm out a bit, like, you know, kind of saying like, all right, this is my last batter kind of deal. But I'll just say I just didn't agree with that at the time. So uh, continue. Sorry. Yeah. And then the bottom half of that inning is when um, Anthony Volpe hits that quote unquote double that uh, Brendan Immo just had better things to do than catch. <laughs> uh, the Yankees take the lead there. And really the, the last notable part of this game is that bottom of the eighth uh, when the Mets have the bases loaded and one out. And you have Lindor and Starling Marte both come to the plate. I had no confidence in either one of them to do anything. I was surprised that Lindor didn't just end it earlier and just uh, GIDP there. So, um, you know, another creative way to lose for the Mets, if that's what they're looking to do. They've uh, succeeded once again. Um, um, let me stick to the eighth real quick because there's something I wanted to hint on, too, on the Yankees side. Um, right before uh, the Lindor strikeout swinging, and I'll say this, Clay Holmes comes in. And strikes out Lindor, strikes out Marte, and he you disagreed at the time. We you kind of said he wasn't. He I thought he looked gross. I, well, no, because he because he, he has he has stuff like that that's just insane. But you have like these like if it's three and one, and he misses the strike zone by ten feet, like can he can he get the RBI? What are we doing? Yeah, oh, you talking what was that Marte that swung out of the zone? Who, who was it? Someone swung really out of the zone. Lindor or Marte? I don't remember. Now on Clay Holmes, I think that he has looked he might be back. And I know, you know, we like you said, you know, you you were watching and you didn't think that he had like great stuff and there might have been some sus swings by the Mets that might have helped him out, but he has been lights out. And, you know, to come up in that spot, uh again, eighth inning, seven six, bases loaded, one out, strikes out Lindor, strikes out Marte, and you know, I, I was at the game last year or two years ago, whenever it was, when Lindor 
hits the three home runs and Stan had the two home runs and the benches cleared, quote unquote, I thought that was a, a huge spot. And, you know, I've as a Yankee fan, there's been times, especially, you know, earlier this year where I've been a critical of Clay Holmes saying that you know he's got no balls. Like, I want my closer to have to have balls. And he comes in and he puts it out on the table. Let's be honest. And strikes out them. Uh, Lindor and Marte, you know, say what you want about Lindor and Marte. They've had their struggles, obviously, the entire Met team has. But I thought it was a great confidence boost uh, for for Clay Holmes there. Great, great move by the Yankees. Um, and then the only other thing I really – I had to say as far as the Yankees on this side, I still am like, you know, we, a lot of people will argue about like feel of a game, right? And how like, you know, a lot of managers today don't have a feel for the game and they'll just be like – all right, Clay Holmes gets these two guys, and then we go to the bullpen and get these two guys. You know, in in the course of a season, and of course, again, the Yankees have a lot of days off in June. This could have factored into it as well. But, you know, the fact that Clay Holmes gets those two high leverage outs looks unhittable in them, and then they go to Mike King in the bullpen. So now you've burned two relievers. I just was – that was the only thing I thought was, you know, kind of question. I, I, I was questioning it when it happened. I was like, oh, no. Mike King is going to come in this game and and you know make make Aaron Boone regret taking Clay Holmes out and then I I now probably am going to assume that Mike King after getting three outs tonight you know he might be available because of the off day on Thursday but I would just have rather avoided him just left Clay Holmes in to be honest and you know maybe you save Clay Holmes for the game tonight that's to be seen but that was on as far as the Yankees side that's that's kind of the last thing I had to say as far as like you know bullpen usage managerial decisions on that on that end. Yeah, on the um, I, I had the the same feeling about David Robertson. Um, after they they don't pick up the lead, they don't tie it up. You still go and burn Robertson, but at the same time, they'll probably just throw him again tonight. Because what else are you going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, for the Mets, it's you know, it's one thing for the Yankees to do that because the Yankees have you know a super deep bullpen where they have just weapon after weapon. For the Mets, like you know, tonight you come into a game and it's uh, like God forbid tonight there's an extra inning game. Right. You know, we're going to see another what Tommy Hunter appearance tonight. You know, like most likely. Uh, I, yeah. And my uh, I've, I've spoken to some Met fans and just, you know, watching the games. I think Buck's use of the bullpen is, you know, he doesn't have much out there. Sure. But sometimes it's a little suspicious. Like he's again, he's throwing no names in there. But, you know, Steven Agosik, uh Tommy Hunter, you know, you you. You don't play for extra innings ever, obviously, but you know I, I'm thinking about that Braves game where, you know, as soon as they get to extra innings, the only pitcher they had left in the bullpen was Tommy Hunter. That's uh, to me, that's not yeah. good managing when you find yourself. Yeah, no, in that I feel position. like uh, we're kind of past the uh, the grace period of Buck, where you know he can do no wrong. I feel like uh, I feel like Buck is starting to get uh, you know. Uh, before we get into the Mets. And the Yankees, give me a, give me just a final prediction on tonight. Give me a score. Give me a, maybe you give me a Verlander line, a Cole line, something. Just give me a, give me a feel. Um, well, I think, you know, I, I, I'm still, I think Garrett Cole has been, yeah, obviously been amazing this whole year, but of, of the last couple, you know, starts, he's been a little bit, uh, you know, not like a, not a, not as dominant as he started the season, right? He's been good. Fine. He's been, he's been giving you innings, but, uh, you know, I could see another, maybe like five, five and a third, five and two thirds, uh, six hits, two, three runs. I'll say for Cole, uh, you know, uh, and, and then for Verlander, let's go, 
Uh, I, I think the Mets win tonight just because I think that's the way this series is going to go. I think both teams are going to get one win, one loss, and kind of find themselves back at the, you know, limping out of this, just like they limped in. For Verlander, I'll go uh, – I mean, it's really hard to predict the Met starting pitcher yeah. line, so I'll just go – One and, one and two-thirds. I'm gonna, I'll give Verlander a solid start tonight because I think that uh, he's – I'm not as off Verlander as I am off – or it sounds like Met fans are off Scherzer. I'll give yeah. Verlander like five innings, two runs, uh, five hits against the Yankees. I think Cole dominates. I think this is like the perfect uh, lineup if you want to if you want to reset if you're Garrett Cole to go up against. I would definitely love. I that. think he goes. I think he goes seven strong, uh, eight strikeouts. I think Verlander will be okay. Like you said, I'm not really off Verlander yet. I mean, it, it, late start to the season, he's had you know he's had flashes here and there. I'm not I'm not willing to just say that he's done the way I'm Scherzer. Uh, I don't see the Mets winning this game though. Okay, what? Uh, I, I just think I think Garrett Cole just mows him down. I just don't think they're good enough. So I think I, I was talking to my grandfather before. Again, uh, we referred to him as Seth Lugo hater. Uh, now, yep. n- newly tu- uh, turned Buck Showalter hater. Breaking news, <laughs> but um, yeah. not newly. He's he's been down on him the whole year. He's actually the one that I get a lot of my like, you know, why does Buck do this for the bullpen kind of thing? Like, you know, I'm watching the games, but sometimes when I miss a Met game, I kind of like you know lose get myself out of the loop per se of like bullpen usage, blah blah blah. And he'll tell me, like, oh, I don't know why he used this guy because this, 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 and that. And, you know, that's where I get most of my information. But I think that uh, he uh, – you're right. Buck is – Buck is uh, – he, he's out of that period where, like, you're – now people can kind of fairly start saying, you know, Buck's got to start doing something. Show me something, right? Like they always say, show me something. And I think Buck's – you know – when was the last time you saw Buck get thrown out of a game? As stupid as that sounds, but like it's a real thing in baseball that that kind of has an effect on your team. Yeah, you no, know? I would agree with that. I think um, the the most viable reason to to fire Buck Showalter is that just seems like the uh, that just seems like the formula to winning a championship. Hire Buck Showalter, fire, fire Buck, Buck Showalter. Showalter. Yeah, well, I mean, look what the Phillies did last year. They fired Girardi in the middle of the year, and they went on a run. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. all right. So, I mean, the Mets, man. How how do you go about trying to fix uh, the worst team money can buy? Well, let me let me ask you this first. This is a question that a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are are tuned into. Are you on the Nerfy tonight? Because this is big. Your your two and seventeen I, record is in the balance. I meant to make an announcement to the group chat. I am going to just. I'm going to do the opposite today. Wow. So your fee. Yeah, and if I lose, um, I'm just going to delete all the apps, and it is what it is. Probably for the better. Um, Now, back to your question. How do I fix the Mets is essentially your question. Yeah. With the deadline coming up, with everything coming up, I think think the the first thing you have to do is address the rotation. It's just – it's been shoddy at best. Um, If you have Jose Quintana uh, slotted to come back early July, I think what the Mets have to do is move to a six-man rotation. Now – you know, it's tough to say now because you can't right now you can't employ one because I can't watch David Peterson or Tyler McGill pitch uh, once a week. <laughs> but when the deadline comes around and you have Quintana coming back, you you have to address the rotation. And it has to be a name like a like a Corbin Burns. I think the Brewers are 500 right now. Like it, it has to be someone like that. And I just think the six man when you have two dinosaurs at the top of the rotation and then you have. Kodai Senga, who's used to pitching once a week, and you know they're they're trying to extend all of his rest. I think, 
you know, get, get these guys on a six man, maybe Scherzer, you know, it burns out a little bit slower. Uh, maybe it helps Verlander. It'll certainly help Senga, but you need, uh, I think when they add a pitcher, it has to be like that pitcher would then have to be like your two or your three. I think that's the first thing they have to do. And and I would I would add I agree with you. That's kind of what I was saying along the lines of what the I think the Yankees should do now with you know getting Severino and the other guys a little bit of extra rest. I'm a big proponent of the six man rotation. I most definitely am. Even if it's even if it is a bullpen day. So I agree. If you can if you can you know maneuver your roster or make a trade or you know sign someone who gets cut or something during the deadline uh, to bolster your rotation, I think that would definitely help the Mets. One. But two, I mean, the the most glaring thing, and I think, you know, sometimes by not making a move, it could be the worst move you make. And I think if the Mets really don't bolster this bullpen, which from everything I hear and everything I read, like there's going to be an abundance of, of reliever arms available at this trade deadline. If the Mets don't get, you know, I'll even say if the Mets get less than two, you know, if the Mets somehow don't end up with, two additions to the bullpen by the end of the, dead, the deadline or, you know, we're in August and they haven't has added anything to this bullpen, th- then I'll say, okay, fair enough. You can write this Mets season off as lost and they'll write it off as lost as well. But that's the, you know, there's, I don't think it's a coincidence. They blew 4-1 leads to the to the Braves, right? If you if, think about the time when they get those 4-1 leads, a lot of the times, like, if you're scoring, if you're getting four runs of run support, you should be able to hand it to your bullpen and and win the game. You sh- if you have a three run lead, you should be able to, even if you have an average bullpen, right? You maybe yeah. you blow one, maybe you blow two, but this is now again three times in the last six games that, or four times in the last six games that they they have a blown lead after their their starter doesn't go long. And like you said, as the season goes on, the starters are going to get more and more tired, right? We we see it now that the the progression of hitters and the regression of, of pitchers is definitely a real thing come, you know, middle of the season. Uh, and I think that, that that's just, the, uh, I think the Mets, the biggest thing is they, they may need to add three arms, right? Like, let's say a perfect, uh, no names, but to me, a perfect Met trade deadline would be. Let me, let me, let me guess what you're going to say. Cause I have the exact answer in my head and I think you're going to say the same thing. Okay, go ahead. You add the starter that I was talking about. You know, the example I gave was a Corbin Burns, but really like someone of that elk sure. is what you would need. I think. I'd say one starter, yes. Then you, yeah. Then you add two of those premier bullpen arms that might be available. Yep. And then I think they just have to add one power bat. They add one one more power bat because like whatever they're going to have to part with, and it's probably going to be a hefty, whether it's a Mauricio, Vientos, you know, all the above. When you're saying that we're going to win in five years, I can't be worried about those kids. So, um, yeah, so a power bat, uh, two arms, and and really, like, you almost need an ace. I was going to say more so along the lines of 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Would If the Mets, like, if you're a Mets fan and you find yourself at the end of the deadline with uh, a legit starting pitcher, not, not a Cy Young candidate, but a legit starting pitcher, a legit weapon in the bullpen, and a legit, you know, offensive piece somewhere that can actually play the field and, and run the bases a little bit, unlike Daniel Vogelback. Yeah, I think that's a good deadline for the Mets. Yeah. But, you know, I think th- the fact that we're over here, you know, not begging for them to make moves per se, but, you know, our, our agreed thought is that there needs to be multiple moves made kind of lends itself yeah. to what the, the state of the team is, where it's 
And again, I'll, I'll get back to where I opened with the Mets, and I guess we can kind of – I don't really have much to say as far as, as the Yankees, you know, judges hurt, so this is kind of like a – this is weirdo Yankee time, you know, Billy McKinney, uh-huh. Jake Bowers Yankee time, so it's tough to get any sort of reads. Uh, Harrison Bader probably coming back for the Red Sox series. That's the one update. Um, but for the Mets, again, you're you're relying on these kids now. You're three – two to three top prospects in your whole organization – and like you're relying on them, like you can't trade Alvarez because if you trade Alvarez, you're you're missing that piece. You trade Beatty, you're missing that piece. It's got to be Mauricio. And I don't know, have you seen any updates on his uh, health status at all? Or no, not really. But no, you're right. I mean, it, it, I would almost guarantee if they have a successful deadline that it's Mauricio and then probably Vientos. You know, plus yeah, well, uh, well Vientos as well. But again you're that's two guys right you're gonna you gotta hope that one of those guys can bring you two of these answers we told you right yeah so it's a, it's yep. a tough spot and i think this is you know i i've heard people say you know fire epler fire you know steve cohen's doing a bad job blah 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 but like you know i think and maybe it's one thing to say i don't want i don't want either of these guys controlling my deadline and ultimately you know failing again but i think you know this is if you're a met fan this was the season that you, you paid everyone, you spent the most money, you got the big name Verlander, you almost had the big name in Correa, which no one's even talking about, but might even be a good thing he didn't get Correa, totally for another day, but, you know, this was the season, and now you're at, you're at the point where, if I was a Mets fan, I would say, look, the season's already gone to shit in the first half, if we make a couple deals and they don't work out, the season was shit to begin with, if we make a couple deals and it pans out, good for us, but... I think you're at a it's it's a make or break time for the Mets, especially not even getting too deep into it. But especially if you're a Met fan, that's, you know, praying and hoping every night that Otani wakes up and wants to be in Queens. You know, yeah. you're not giving yourself a, yeah. a good product there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, listen, it, it's still early, but it's not going to be for long. Yeah, so it's it's getting late early, as Yogi Berra would say. So. Yeah, and we do keep hearing about, you know, every every other day I see it and, you know, Edwin Diaz might be able to return at some point. So report. All right. Let, let's let's like inch towards the postseason yeah. before we even think about it. Well, Diaz. actually, before we wrap it up here, Diaz's brother on the Reds is uh, having a great season. And I would love to see them make a move with the Reds to get Diaz's brother. I think that would be really cool. Um, and it, it would call. be an amazing piece for them. Not only obviously, you know, keep it in the family, quote unquote, but like, you know, it would be an amazing piece for them to, to add a guy like that or a, you know, off the top of my head, I, I can't really think, but, um, I, I, all I heard was talking about the trade deadline. All I heard yesterday was Aaron Boone said that, you know, to a casual fan, it's not going to be very exciting, which means to me that there's a lot of like cheap deals out there to be had. And I think the Mets should be at the, the Mets should be true. Do you agree or disagree? The Mets trade deadline, they should be at the forefront of like most transactions. No, yeah, you should see there like that's the that's the team that should pop up more than any other. Okay, so you agree with that statement? Hundred okay. percent. Um, so you, I say the Mets win tonight just because you know it's not me being a Yankee fan. You say the Yankees win because Garrett yeah, Cole shoves. Yeah, I think so. All right, I just they just can't match up to it. Um, any Yankee thoughts at all? I know you said it's kind of, they're just, you know, just trying to keep their head above water right now. No Aaron judge. It's kind of a weird lineup every day. Yeah. Um, you know, the only, the only couple of Yankee thoughts I have is that it's kind of disappointing to see them. Their, their, their roster is, is poorly constructed, but 
you know, judge kind of swoops in and kind of undercuts all of that and kind of makes it all okay. So, you know, when judge is out, it kind of shows these glaring issues of, you know, having the, the Willie Calhouns in the play, the outfield. And, and quite honestly, I love Stanton, love how he performs. He's handled the New York so well, even in times of, of struggle, but let's be honest. The Yankees are a team of like four position players and about five or six DHs at this point. Like realistically, Glaber Torres in in like the if he was on a team that had a second baseman would be a great DH. Yeah. John Carlos Stan should be a great DH. Jake Bowers, he's been gotten better in the field, would be a great DH. Willie Calhoun, a great DH. The Yankees just have a lot of guys who just don't play the field. I'd love to see like another like not necessarily a Harrison Bader, but get me like another gold glover in here. Someone that's like making a difference on the defense. Give me a, a gold glove left fielder that can play left field every day. You pencil him in. And, you know, I said this to I said this to I think just just Morick, but you know, we always I'm, I was never a big Brett Gardner guy. Admittedly, just, you know, I just thought he was. He was always good, but the one thing that he was there, and it's it cannot go, un, you know, unnoticed. He was just always there. The best availability is available. The best ability is availability. And now, you know, since Gardner left, we have not had a left fielder. Bring in a gold glove, yep. either a gold glove left fielder that you could pencil in every day and not have to sweat fly balls to left field, or get me a left fielder that can can stand out there as a warm body, but it'll hit you for power. That that's those are my as far as going forward with the Yankees. I think you know we go into the season, uh, we're still in the middle of the season, and we don't have a left fielder. So that's really my my yeah. only thought. And it's it's kind of as far as the Volpe stuff. Uh, I guess I could touch on that a little bit. Uh, Boone instilled some confidence in Volpe going forward. Um, he said that he was watching film for the past you know during the entire off day and tweaked some stuff in his swing. Had a good game one against the Mets. Let's see what he does tonight. Let's see if he could add to that. I think uh, I think there's been times where you know he's shown flashes, but it's it's always better to sometimes it's better to have one hit in three games versus two hits in in one game or three hits in one game. You know what I mean? I, I want to see some yeah. consistency more than uh, more than like a power or a flash from from Volpe. So um, let's see. You know, I, my I, I've I've openly said that I'm kind of skeptical of their treatment of Volpe. Uh, I think they kind of handle him with, you know, we're trying to win a championship here, you know, not not trying to see how Volpe can eventually become a major leaguer. That's not the core goal here. So, um, you know, if the Yankees see that there's an option at shortstop better, whether it's Peraza or they they make a deal for a shortstop, I, I me personally, I don't think Volpe should hold them back. Uh, and I think that's where I disagree with the Yankees because they seem to think that he is the shortstop of the future and. It's one of those things where, like, I'd love to be wrong. You know what I mean? I'd love to be wrong about Volpe because if I'm wrong about Volpe now, then that means he does become the shortstop of the future. So, uh, yep. so be it. Um, nothing else to say on the Yankee side. Yep. I, I'd love to see a good Cole performance like you said tonight. Uh, just, you know, just beat the Mets. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. couldn't care if they lose, but if they win, it's nice. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. So before we get out of here, I want to just have one question and then we can wrap sure. this up. So as we sit here today, uh, June 14th, which uh, happy flag day, apparently. Definitely is flag day. Did you day. know it was flag I day? Did. Why? No. Why did you know Just that? Just the big Microsoft <laughs> Outlook calendar guy. <laughs> the big flag Big guy. flag. I got flags Just flying. Up and I actually uh, have a flag yeah. outside that I've changed every hour today. Big equal representation yeah, guy. Yeah, big uh, flag respecter. Yeah. Um, 
as of right now, and you know, knowing what we know about the regime, it's a tough question because we don't know who's going to be here. Um, you know, player wise, personnel wise, do you think the Mets find a way to get into the postseason? So my answer right now is no, and it, it it's twofold. No, because I I just think that this their bullpen is so far gone. And they're, you know, they've been, honestly, let's be honest with each other, besides the Alonzo injury and obviously the Diaz injury, and we're only talking about this year. So the Diaz injury to me is like kind of out of the picture. It's kind of already happened and done. As far, other than the Alonzo injury, they've had some, they haven't had bad luck in injuries. Like they, they've had, you know, little things here and there, but, you know, of all the teams in the MLB, now that Alonzo is going to be out for a month, I guess that's their thing. But other than that, like the ancillary guys, the you know, Lindor has played every game. Marte, you could argue, might still be hurt, whatever. But I I just don't see it getting that much better unless they make some sort of crazy shakeup move. So right now, I'm just going to say no. And I think that if I had a bank on an NL East team coming from the bottom and making it to the top, I'm still going to take the Phillies over the Mets. I just think they have a much better roster up and down. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. I think what it would take would be, uh, you know, a deadline sort of like we talked about, and then it would mean, you know... Everyone's healthy, everyone outperforms. Verlander figures it out. Well, Verlander's going to have to turn it around. McNeil's going to have to turn around. I don't want to kill McNeil. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been McNeil. And uh, Sterling Marte and Lindor. But, I mean... It's, yeah. it's, it's the uh, constant like ends. It's, it's and this guy and this guy and this guy. Like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot for that to happen, but I will say, you know, it, it, it could be one of those situations where maybe something happens and it all clicks and all of them just start, you know, yeah, just cause it's the same team that won a hundred games. It's the same yeah. team. Yeah. No, I, I have the it same. No it's funny because I think a lot of times Yankee fans and Met fans, especially this year, like, there, other than other than the bullpen, because the, that's kind of where the two teams are glaringly different. But like a lot of the same problems. Uh, uh, the Yankees, though, are the same problems because of injuries. The Mets have the same problems because of inability. But like the Mets aren't hitting. The pitching staff has been you know lesser. Uh, but the one thing for the Yankees is they have you know in a month from now they're going to add Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon. Hopefully, who are the Mets going to add? Yeah. You know they're going to add Alonzo, sure. But they had Alonzo yeah. and they weren't good. The Yankees got Judge, and they were amazing. So, to be determined. Uh, You know, I just hope for a great game tonight. Uh, If I'll sign up for, give me a seven-six Met win, where I'm I'm bought into the very end, like I was last night. I'll even take that. You know what I mean? This game is really kind of indifferent to me. I'm I'm just looking for a good show kind of thing. So, yeah. um, uh, Anything else you wanted to add? No, no, that's all. Uh, Great to be back. Uh, Thank you for listening. Again, as we're in full baseball mode until football season starts. So if you like baseball, you're in the right place. So thanks for listening as always, and have a good one, everyone. Go Yankees.